so how is everyone's Easter starting off? Good. Yeah, yeah, excellent, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to keep it brief today because we got lunches and Easter egg hunts to get to, all that fun stuff. But we're going to finish up our series on the seven sayings of the cross. Now I know it might feel weird to still be talking about Jesus on the cross on Easter, but trust me, we're going to make a link and I think it's going to be cool, so stick with me. So the saying we're going to be talking about this week comes from Luke 23. Uh, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light faded and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, the opening verse here, 24, or 44, just kind of setting the stage, giving us a time frame, kind of where this is happening in the story. Next, jumping in to verse 45 here, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. We're going to put a pin in this and come back to it a little, a little bit later, because it's super important. We need to get some other stuff kind of established. So don't forget about the curtain here. We'll jump back to it. And then we get into the saying itself. Father, into your hands I commit or commend, depending on what translation you have. Same idea. It's, it's the idea of entrusting. Jesus is entrusting his soul to his Father, to his heavenly Father. So, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, at its core, this is really a cry of reunion. This is Jesus almost celebrating going home. Because as we talked about a couple weeks ago, when one of the previous sayings, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was feeling this heavy weight of being alone, probably for the first time, feeling separate from the Father feeling isolated, feeling the weight of sin. And now, Jesus is coming out the other side of that. This is the celebration. This is the excitement of, the work is over. It, it's done. I, I get to go back home. I get to be reunited with my Father. This is Jesus really just diving headlong into the hands of his Heavenly Father and having every confidence that God's going to catch him. Just jumping out full bore, having every faith, every belief, every full knowing that his father is going to be there to grab him, to catch him. And now, well, that's a little bit of timing. We'll, we'll jump over that. Um, that's just kind of getting the timing of things a little bit. This is Jesus just not waiting for God. This isn't a, hey, God, is this a good time to do this? You know, should, should we schedule something? This is just jumping off, doing it, full excitement. Now, we take this idea of Jesus, this excitement, this reunion union of Jesus, you know, he's excited to go back home. He's excited. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And now jump to the tomb. This is part of the passage that Madeline read for us earlier. And note the, he is not here. This is really highlighting that our ultimate separation is broken. Our ultimate way that we used to be separated from God. Death is broken. It is no longer separating us from God. Death has been defeated. There is nothing now separating us from God. So just as Jesus on the cross is excited for this reunion with his Father, with his heavenly Father, the empty tomb represents our excitement and our ability to be reunited, to be brought back into community with that heavenly Father, with our heavenly Father. Now, speaking of separating, let's jump back to the curtain real quick. So, 
Real quick history lesson on the structure of the temple. So it was divided into three basic elements. You had your kind of outer courtyard, you had a smaller inner sanctum, and then right at the center, you have what's called the Holy of Holies. Each one of these was separated by curtains. Now the Holy of Holies was maybe the most important place in all of Judaism. All of the you know, first century, even, go, even going back to Old Testament, the Holy of Holies was the central place of worship. This was the place where it was thought the essence of God dwelt. The very presence of God was. Back in the Old Testament, this is where the Ark of the Covenant was housed. And all of, you know, all of that cool history and such involved in that was housed in this one single room, the Holy of Holies. Now, because it was thought that God's presence physically dwelt in this room, people couldn't really go into it because of the whole sin and God not getting along thing. So, because of this, only one person was allowed to go into this room, and that person was only allowed in once a year. The high priest on the Day of Atonement went into the room to offer sacrifices. It was the only person that was allowed in. And even this person on the specific day sometimes wasn't 100% confident this would go to plan. Because if the high priest came in with any sin, they, they could be struck down. So there's stories of high priests kind of being worried about this. They would tie a rope around their waist with bells on it. And people outside the curtain knew if the bell stopped ringing, something went wrong. We need to pull his body out. So it was just this whole idea of you could not sin. Our sin could not be near God. It would destroy us. And now because of some of the Old Testament writings that a lot of you think are boring, some of the Deuteronomies and Leviticus and such, we know pretty well what these curtains looked like. They were very ornate, very colorful. But most importantly, they were decorated with um, these figures on them, cherubim. Now, what do we most often think of when we think of cherubim? We tip, yeah, am I? Birds? Okay, yeah, no, the, there, are, there are wings on, on most of the depictions, yeah, yeah. But most often we think of cute little baby angels, right? We think precious moments. We think little adorable chubby cupids. That is not how the Bible describes them at all. Most often they are described as these terrifying, almost Cthulhu-like monsters. Some of them are described as having, you know, a bunch of eyes over them. They are almost always an amalgamation of varying animals. You know, we'll have the, the, the wings of an eagle, we'll have the body of a lion, feet of a griffin or something. You know, like, it's all these, all these animals put together. They're almost always terrifying and just, you would not want to, want to run across them. Now, cherubim have a very specific job. Their job generally is to protect, to guard, to keep things out that shouldn't be allowed in. You can almost think of them as the terrifying monster bouncers of this time period. So by having cherubim embroidered on these curtains, it was a very clear message and a very clear warning that you probably shouldn't come in here. These are terrifying monsters are here to make sure you do not come in. So now what does it mean that this curtain is broken? This curtain is torn. It's gone. Those terrifying monsters are not keeping us out anymore. You can almost think of it like a contract, right? You know, what is a contract? It's two, generally two parties or so, coming together to agree on a list of things. Now, in real life, just ripping the contract doesn't do a lot, but in movies and such, you know, when you rip the contract, it's over. 
It's absolved. That means, no, we're, we are agreeing to this is no longer valid. This is not going to hold us here anymore. That's a little bit like what tearing this curtain is. This is representing the old contract, the old covenant, if you want to use that terminology, is no longer needed. That old covenant which had the high priest coming in and doing sacrifices over and over again on our behalf because we were constantly needing to rid ourselves of sin. That's not needed because now Jesus, our ultimate high priest, has given himself as our ultimate sacrifice. So we no longer need that old contract, that old covenant. Jesus has made a new one for us. And all that's required of this new one is love. This is a contract, a covenant freely given, a gift freely given. It's not all the stipulations of the old one. This covenant is just a covenant of love given from God to us. Go get ready to go there. And so, if we put all of this together, think about Jesus' last word to the cross, really highlighting his excitement of this renewal, of this reunion with the Father. The empty tomb, representing that same joy, that same ability to be reunited, to have communion with our God. These two joyous reunions are what we're celebrating today, right? That's the whole point of this season, is this excitement of we can be with our God. We can approach our God anytime we want. And this is a act that can't be undone, like we talked about a few weeks ago, right? Like, it is finished. It can't be undone. We have this. This relationship is ours. So now we can go with the same unbridled confidence, the same amazing faith that Jesus had. We can just jump into the arms of our Father whenever we want. We can jump into the arms of our God. We can cast our worries. We can cast our cares upon our God because we have that ability now. We can go directly to our God. And so that's my prayer for us, not only today on Easter, but also the entire Easter season. But if you knew this, the official church calendar has an Easter season called Eastertide that starts today with Easter and this year runs all the way to June 5th. What is that? That's a month and a half where we can sit and celebrate the resurrection, celebrate this gift, celebrate our ability to be united with our God. Because nothing is standing in the way. Sin is gone. Jesus took our sin from us. It's no longer counted against us. That's no longer separating us from God. Physically, the curtain is gone, like that physical representation that was separating the presence of God from everyone else. That's gone. The devil's plan is gone. That plan to, all right, let's, let's introduce sin to get them to separate. And now let's, let's tell them, oh, maybe they're not good enough. Let's put those little inkling seeds in us. That plan is gone. Devil's still trying to do it, but it's a plan that's not going to work. Because, it's, because as we said before, this is a gift for us forever. It cannot be undone. And even death. Death's hold over us. Death's fear that clouded over us. That's gone. Because death can no longer separate us from our God. We don't have to fear death. Because Jesus defeated it. And that's what we're celebrating this morning, is that defeat of death, that defeat that allows us to enter into the presence of our God.
that allows us to talk directly to our God, that allows us to sit with our God, the creator of the universe. To me, that's just an amazing thought, that our creator of the universe went through all this entire plan, you know, things we've talked about, the entire Old Testament, the New Testament so far, basically just to hang out with us because we messed up, so God went through all of that to fix it. You know, Christina and I made pancakes the other day. And so that's always that joke rule that, like, the first pancake, you always mess up. Like, the heat's going to be off or whatever. And we were kind of like that first messed up pancake. It would have been so much easier to be like, nope, that one's done. We're just going to start over. But God didn't. God stuck with us, worked with us, fixed the problems we made so that we could be united, so that we could stand in fellowship, walk in fellowship, walk in love with our God. Join me as we continue to pray. Or join me as we pray.